Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. We have allowed ourselves to become so disconnected and ignorant about something that is as intimate as the food that we eat. Be prepared to grow your own for victory. I'm said I need somebody strong enough to clear trees and heave bales, yet gentle enough to yean lambs and wean pigs and tend the pink foamed pullets who will stop his mower for an hour to splint the broken leg of a meadow lark. So God made a farmer. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Modern Homesteading Podcast. Um, as you may realize by the sound of my voice, I am not Harold. Um, I'm Troy, and this is my wife, Kelly. Hello. Yeah, okay. Um, we are going to be uh, guest hosts right now on the, uh, on the podcast. Uh, currently, as, as you all may know, Harold's mother has been uh, gone through a medical diagnosis, and he is uh, busy tending to her needs and administering there to her. So um, he's um, taken a break a little bit from uh, from podcast and some of the other activities uh, on his website. Uh, so as we were talking, uh, we decided uh, that uh, we'd like to fill in for him and help him out there, kind of keep the momentum of the podcast going. But uh, I just want to say, as far as uh, Harold goes and, and his mom, we just ask uh, everyone in the audience here that if you uh, if your prayers, please pray for uh, Harold's mother that her. Uh, situation would go well and there'd be healing and uh, just uh, just give her positive thoughts there if you would and we uh, pray for a speedy recovery there and, and uh, hope Harold is uh, able to manage all he has going on right now. Well uh, I would be remiss if I didn't address uh, uh, all the things that Harold does have going on as you guys know he's got a ton of stuff ton of uh, uh, opportunities to to build the homesteading community he, he talks about all the time uh, so just want to make sure everyone knows, uh, visit his website, thesmalltownhomestead.com. Um, that's smalltownhomestead.com. And be sure to sign up for his e-newsletter. Uh, you can, uh, there's a button there on the homepage you can click on to sign up. Uh, at his uh, website, you'll find the blog. Uh, you'll also find the blog hop. So if you're a content creator, you uh, have your own blog, you can share it there. Again, he's all about building community, which I think is awesome. Um, you can also be part of the group, uh, the closed group, Homesteading Front Porch, uh, on Facebook. It's growing rapidly. In fact, uh, I think the last time I looked, we were creeping up to, yeah, 4,400 members, it looks like. So uh, be sure to uh, send a request to join that. Uh, it's a closed group, but if you uh, request to join, then Harold will approve you. And you can get into some great discussions we have there. There's uh, uh, content and questions and, and feedback posted uh, Constantly, so it's really neat. It's a nice thread there. Also, uh, on uh, Harold's website, smalltownhomestead.com, he is uh, has a Patreon uh, account where you can help support what his efforts there. And we uh, strongly suggest you do that. Uh, a lot of people don't know the cost that goes in with producing podcasts. And it's not necessarily the equipment as much because equipment's not that expensive anymore. But a lot of it is just the cost of parking all of these uh, audio files on servers and the, the website traffic, and and that becomes a, a decent expense there over time. So Harold has a very modest goal of $100 a month he's trying to reach. So please, uh, if you would like to contribute, if you enjoy the podcast and you you learn from it, then we just ask that you help support that. So just, uh, again, look for the uh, support link there on his website. <clears throat> And also, Harold does uh, have a YouTube channel as well, the Small Town Homestead. So just go to YouTube and search Small Town Homestead and find it there and, and give him subscribe and, and uh, thumbs up and watch his videos. Okay, so you may be wondering again, who is Kelly and Troy? Well, we are not related to Harold. <laughs> and quite frankly, it's, it's interesting. <clears throat> Kelly and I were talking about this the other night. I've never met Harold, actually. We've, we've uh, connected through the uh, World Wide Web. Uh, the wonder, wonders of modern technology. But I've gotten to know him over the past couple months. A really nice guy. I appreciate uh, his efforts here. 
So, uh, so we're filling in for him. We are in central West Virginia and, um, we have a small homestead here, small farm that we're trying to build. Um, if you want to know details, you want to hear a, a, a in-depth interview about us, you can go back to, uh, one of Harold's podcasts that was published on October the 23rd, 2016, uh, talks about our, uh, our homestead there. He interviewed me in that, in that episode. So we discussed, uh, the homestead and, in detail there, or you can just go to our, our website, redtoolhouse.com and see details there. We also have a YouTube channel. You can search Red Tool House Homestead on YouTube and, and find us there as well. <clears throat> so, uh, so what's going on with us? Well, uh, what we wanted to do today in our first fill, and you have to bear with us because this is our first time podcasting. So, uh, Kelly and I both are sitting here in the dining room, uh, got microphones spread out. We're, we're kind of new to this and kind of looking at each other like we're, Wondering what the heck's going on. <clears throat> so bear with us. Um, what we wanted to talk about is uh, kind of just dive in, uh, let you guys maybe have a voyeuristic view of what we'd be talking about this time of year anyway. Since it's February and where we are, we've uh, yeah, we're we're coming off of winter. We're prep, uh, getting excited for all the things that we have planned for spring, and if we could execute all the things we have on our list for 2017, it would be awesome. But uh, um, <clears throat> we'll get into that, and we'll talk about uh, some of the details and. And uh, what we want to what we want to try to accomplish. So that's kind of our goal in, in this episode is just talk about plans for 2017, and hopefully some of the stuff we talk about maybe motivate or encourage you guys, or maybe you guys can even throw us some some words of encouragement back or some suggestions on some of the things that we're talking about. <clears throat> so real quick, um, Kelly, you want to give them um, you want to give them any updates as far as or give them a, kind of an overview of of you know, how would you describe our place here in West Virginia? Well, we are a small farm, and we started with chickens, um, and we are up to roughly 100 chickens. Yeah, I think I counted 95 last time I... Right now. So um, we've also got, at the moment, we've got 13 hogs. You're correct, yes. We have 13 hogs. We just sent 12 to freezer camp Monday. We transported those. Uh, so that leaves nine more that will go to freezer camp. Uh, in a couple of weeks, or actually four weeks. And then we have four sows. You can tell us about the sows a little bit there. Yes, we've got three mamas, um, three sows that um, have had a couple of litters each, and one that has not been a mama yet, that we, um, she's a year old? She's a year old, or she? Yeah, yeah, well, Haas is about a year and a half old now, because she was from the previous litter. Um, so we've not yet bred her, um, and then we've got the nine babies, and we've got a lot of mud that we're dealing with right now. <laughs> <laughs> this time of year is not good with that many hogs. Oh, this has been, a, I mean, this, you'd say it's been a weird winter, wouldn't it? I mean, yes. Yes, we've not had the cold weather that we need to keep things frozen. We've had cold weather, warm weather, cold weather, warm weather, so the thawing and freezing over and over again has not been good. You know, it's been a compound of, of issues, not only with the mild winter, but um, some dummy decided he was going to bring a piece of heavy equipment in this fall. And of course, we get dry fall uh, around uh, September and October is really dry for us. So that's the best time to move dirt. So we did a bunch of excavating behind our barn, which is, of course, where all the pigs hang out, too. And, and that's kind of the, the key point, the pivot point as they access the pastures. Um so we have all this open ground, and I didn't get anything reseeded at that point. So, uh, so you mix uh, open ground, some areas of fill, um, and then this freeze and thaw, freeze and thaw, a lot of rain. We've had a really wet winter. And then you get, well, at the time we had uh, 26, 26 pigs, which, again, reminds me of some heavy person in high heels walking around because their little hooves just go right you know, six inches deep in the mud. So they've just churned all that up. So it's it's been a mess. I can't uh, I can't keep anything clean. Can't keep the equipment clean. Can't keep myself clean. In fact, my hands even smell like pig mud right now because it's just <laughs> that smell you just can't get off sometimes. <laughs> yeah, you smell my fingers. No, thanks. I'm <laughs> yeah, we can't have smell of it on this. <clears throat> um, so yeah, so that's that's kind of our situation right now. Chickens, pigs, um, no other livestock that we have at this time. Um, we have plans for other things, but uh, we'll get into that in another discussion. So that's, uh, kind of, again, kind of an overview of where we are. Now, uh, for those of you not familiar with West Virginia, again, I'm not going to give you a geography or a history lesson, uh, but uh, central West Virginia is kind of the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains. So I always joke, if you ever look at West Virginia on Google, 
uh, Earth to use a satellite view, it looks like somebody just uh, um, wrinkled up a blanket or watered up a newspaper and then tried to spread it back out because there's really no method to the madness as to how these, these ridge lines uh, kind of undulate all over the place. So we have 100 acres that is in one uh, valley. So our elevation change is roughly about 600 feet to 700 feet, I believe, uh, from the lowest point to the highest point on our property. So we have a lot of um, a lot of the valleys. We call them benches where they go up the side of these mountains. Uh, you can call them mountains. Uh, have these little benches and all these different watersheds. Uh, out of the 100 acres, probably 92, 93 acres is all wooded. And uh, we live on the front 10 acres. We have our pigs pastured in the woodlot and some some clear space, uh, places where we're trying to get pasture grass to grow. Uh, so we're kind of living on the front end and, and uh, clearing as we go, as we expand the, the homestead, we're clearing that way. So we've been, uh, we've had the property, how long have we had the property? Just 17 years, this past month. That's right, yeah, we bought it in 2000. Um, yeah, that's an interesting story. Maybe we'll address that one of these days, too. Um, so yeah, so 17 years. And, uh, no, we've not been homesteading the whole 17 years. That's something that's fairly recent. Yeah, good point, good point. Uh, yeah, we, what did we do for the first you know, 10, 12 years? I guess we just kind of kind of lived here, didn't we? We just raised kids and <laughs> you worked. <laughs> yeah, that's true. seemed like there was something about, uh, we bought this property, uh, I wanted to be rural, and then bought all this land, and then really didn't do much with it. But but now we're, we're trying to utilize it a lot more than, than we uh, had in the past. So... How long would you say we've been officially uh, you know, homesteading, farming, farmsteading, whatever term you want to use? About five years. Yeah, that's think? right. Because we, we started with the chickens first. Yeah, that was that was an interesting time. Yeah. So yeah, we started with uh, with some chickens, and I guess that's everyone jokes that's the gateway drug to homesteading is you start with chickens, and everything just explodes from there. But uh, okay, so. Um, if you're all like most of it, or if you're all like us, if most of you are all like us, then uh, if you're experiencing uh, winter time, I know Harold has some uh, listeners in Australia and other places, I believe. So you guys are enjoying the end of summer right now, I guess. Um, but if if you're in the northern hemisphere, in the North American area, then you're dealing with uh, winter, and hopefully, uh, if you're like us, anticipating the end of it. And uh, we like to sit around at this time and kind to uh, kind of. Uh, Daydream or fantasize how great we're going to make this place in the next uh, 10 months, don't we? Yes, we're highly optimistic in <laughs> February <laughs> Yes. of what it could be. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those things where I wish I could be 25 again with the optimism that, uh, that I have in my mind. My body doesn't agree with that. We've got a lot of things on our goal list this you year. Do. Yeah, well, as we were sitting here writing them out, we realized that was like a couple sheets on a notepad, so that was pretty extensive. Um, and again, uh, you know, apologize for me sounding like a Michener novel and being all over the place here, but uh, uh, just uh, another little detail, Kelly is a home, uh, homesteader. Yeah, she's a homesteader, but she's also a homeschooler. She homeschools our two boys, and then I uh, am, am self-employed. I have an office that I go to uh, four to five days out of the week. Uh, it's been five days more than anything here lately. So... Uh, also, off homestead job, so it's it's not a um, it's not a full time gig here at the at the homestead. So, uh, so sometimes our goal list, you guys, some of you guys that are that are retired or able to do completely uh, off grid and, and hanging out by yourself, may look at our list and say, "Well, I could get that done in a week." And you probably could, but it, it takes uh, takes us a while to get a lot of this stuff done. <clears throat> but uh, so again, as we're sitting around and, and making our list. Um, we said, well, let's just share this with you all. That'll kind of, kind of be our foray. So not only does it give a little background in history and, and keep from boring you guys to tears as to me sitting around and telling stories about the, the, the good times and the bad times, we'll just get into this list of what we're doing and you guys can start to make your own assumptions there. And, and again, if we're going to be doing this for a couple of weeks, uh, then we can just build on our discussion here. So uh, let's, let's dive right into our 2017 plans. Um, obviously pigs. Pigs are, pigs are, are probably our... Would you, call, would you call them the crown jewel of red tool houses? <laughs> They're definitely our <clears throat> main crop. <laughs> they are. They are. They've been uh, they've been profitable, I guess. I, it depends on how you define profitable. Um, we don't raise um, hogs just for personal consumption. Obviously, who in the world could eat twenty two hogs in one year? Um, we sell our hogs to uh, to friends and family, and, and I've gone through the effort of. Uh, doing what needs to be done so I can process the, you know, package them commercially 
so I can uh, I can go here and sell, or, or people can buy individual cuts from me. Um, so that's that's been a good way to supplement um, the rest of our list, I guess. Financially, it, it provides the finances to do the things we want to do as far as uh, you know, buildings, uh, other animals, those type of things. So it has been profitable for us. So uh, right now we're on the downhill side of what I would consider the end of the hog season uh, for us, which our seasons have jacked up, and we're hopefully going to fix that this year. Um, but we had 22 that we took to maturity, which maturity for us was seven months, and uh, taking them to the processor in two batches. The reason why we take them in two batches is because they're too big to fit in our trailer. <laughs> um, in fact, we discovered uh, this time uh, they were so big that I normally haul 15 at a time and I could only get 12, and that was almost turning them in sideways and stack them up there. So I uh, had a little bit of chunky pig this time. Um, so uh, so as we wind down, we're actually going to get ramped back up. We're trying to get our, our pig season rotated a little bit. Again, some dummy always delays in in uh, breeding the pigs. We do artificial insemination, so obviously I'm in full control of that, but I always seem to drag my feet on it, and it seems like I'm always out this time of year breeding, actually inseminating. So when you do the three months, three weeks, and three days uh, of the gestation for a pig, then that puts you sometime in, what, June, July? That was the third last year of June, right? Yeah, because we were in... The end of May. That's right, the end of May, because we were in Florida. We were on vacation in our pig fed, which, again, is a entirely different story. My goodness. Um, so yeah, so when you have pigs hitting the ground in the end of May, then you do the math, seven months, there's a lot of times that those pigs are the heaviest, they're the hungriest, they're the biggest, and they're walking around on pasture that's gone dormant. And again, our dormancy kind of kicks in. Our first frost is usually around mid-October. Um, so you know, things start to die off in October, so there's you know, half of the pig's life uh, is going to be spent on dormant pasture. So again, shame on me, we're going to fix that. So, um, with that being said, we've got two hogs. Who, who's? Um, we've got two hogs, Abigail and Mercy. Mercy, that's right, yeah. So, Abigail is our Hampshire, and Mercy is our land race. That are both pregnant right now, that are due at the end of February. Yeah, what are the, uh, 26th and 28th? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. yeah, my goodness, we were down there looking at Mercy today in the barn, and she's a belly dragger. Um, She's uh, she's having a little hard time. In fact, she was it was kind of later. She was there sleeping while we were working in the barn, and, and she had a whistle, and she had uh, like a <laughs> snore she's whistle. She's breathing. <laughs> yeah, it like a cartoon uh, <laughs> type of thing. So uh, that was pretty funny. So yeah, so they're going to fare the end of this month, which means our our processing time should get bumped up to October. So hopefully, Lord willing, that uh, that these these pigs will fare. We'll, we'll have a good litter, and they'll be on pasture. The entire time we won't have dormant pasture until uh, until it's time to load them up and take them to food at camp. So, kind of excited about that. That's that's a little personal triumph on, on my part to say, hey, actually look at the calendar and, and breed and you know, do AI at the proper time. So that's worked out well. We are so excited about farrowing time. We've done this five times now, yeah. maybe five. Yeah, multiple litters five times, I believe. Yeah. Yes, um, and every time we get so excited. It's been a great experience. We've got two boys. Um, one is 15 and one is 11. And uh, we've been doing this for a few years now. And every time we get so excited. So coming up. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. I mean, again, you, you, you hear all these horror stories. And, and again, we've been we've been blessed. And, and God's been merciful with our, uh, our inexperience as we started out. But uh, you hear horror stories about it, people losing them, their entire litters or having to go in and pull and yank and do all this type of stuff and putting down a sow or having a lot of uh, a lot of loss. We had a decent amount of loss last year, but again, that was poor planning on my part, but again, a different story there. But um, yeah, we haven't had to pull. We haven't had to go in and, and do that type of stuff, and we haven't had the, the sows abandon their piglets, as you hear again, stories of, of mamas not wanting to be mamas. But that's worked out pretty well for us. So yeah, it, it's really exciting. And there's, there is nothing funnier than you know, piglets that first month or month and a half because they are just absolute goofballs. I mean, they're a cross between like a cat and a puppy. Yes, they're, they're jumping around and they're spinning in circles and very playful. Yeah, doing little backflips. And, and of course, they're kind of gangling on those, those little hooves and, and running around and tripping and falling. And, and uh, so it's a hoot. So we'll... Uh, Obviously, during farrowing time, and after that, we'll have... Uh, lots of well, pictures and videos to yeah, share. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll do lots of pictures on our Facebook page and, and, and videos, and then we'll always do uh, YouTube videos of, of what's going on there, because there's there's nothing funner. 
didn't see them, but the pig had turned around. Um, the other thing on our list, obviously our, our list for pigs was our fairling, so prepare for that. That's what we were doing today. We were down in the barn, kind of reshuffling the barn, getting uh, getting it ready for fairling, getting the stalls ready. And that means my tractor has to sit out for a couple of weeks now because uh, uh, one of the fairling stalls is where I park my tractor. <clears throat> but uh, So getting excited about that. And then, of course, a big thing on my list is mud abatement. Um, it's, it's this time of year where, as we mentioned, I have all this mud. So on my list is... I want to concrete everything. Yes. I want to concrete the whole that whole 100 awesome. acres. <laughs> uh, no, we've got, again, as I mentioned, I have this open open earth around the barn. And I don't know how to explain it. I mean, I just have to shoot a video of it to show you. But it's sinking up uh, to my knees at times and places. And then the tractor and the side-by-side trying to get through is just a mess. I sometimes wonder if I need pontoons on stuff versus uh, versus wheels. So uh, what we're going to try to do is get some gravel hauled in, some stones, some areas, fix the road. Um, big thing is, uh, with with our layout of our place, I mean, it's it's a big valley. It's uh, um, it's got a creek that runs right through the heart of the property. So everything is is kind of funnels down to that creek, and our road parallels that creek uh, up through the middle of the valley. And again, like I said, we live on like the front ten acres of it. So. Um, Right now, the, the, the pig pasture is, is made up of, of different areas, but it's about five acres, a little bit more, and we're going to expand that hopefully this year as well. But uh, So these pigs have been wandering around for almost five acres, but they can they have access to a decent stretch of my road there. Well, they have just churned that. I mean, it looks like cake batter right now. So uh, we, were, we were driving up there. In fact, Kelly was driving the tractor uh, up there to help get some stone out of the creek. I mean, what was it like driving through all that mud? Mm. It was it was a little intimidating, well, yeah. especially as not a regular tractor driver. But but yeah, it's definitely sinking down quite a bit. Yeah, so we're we're trying to look at uh, ways that we can. We really want to try to do pasture rotation this year, do true rotation where I can actually let portions of the pasture heal, because mm-hmm. uh, a pig is you know they they're not like a ruminant where they're just going to eat the grass and move on and maybe trample a little bit. They're going to turn it over. They vacuum uh, every square inch. Yeah, did you notice that? I, I, noticed, <laughs> I noticed that when we were coming through where we've got the pasture split into two right now. We've got our big sows on, on what I call the north ridge, the north pasture, the north side of the creek, and then um, had all the others, the babies, which obviously don't, you can't call a 400-pound pig a baby, but um, they're on the south side. And as I, was, as I was riding on the back of the tractor as you were driving, I was looking over there and I'm like, there's not a single leaf on this entire yes. hillside. <laughs> and they are. They're like little Hoover vacuums that go around and they vacuum up every bit they of... Turn everything over. Yeah, and, and digging out the, the roots of the saplings and, and biting them off. So that's what's what I like. Obviously, we've got woodlot that we're trying to clear. And back in the 60s, this place was actually a lot of pasture. So there's a lot of underbrush and, and, and small growth like that. And they just turn that stuff over. You know, eat multiple rose brush, you know, just dig it out by the roots and, and eat the tender roots of it. So... It's definitely handy to, to have some pigs, but yeah, they're they're like little vacuums just vacuuming the uh, the forest floor there. So it's pretty impressive. So yeah, we're going to get into a true rotation. Probably the big thing with the road, and and I was explaining this to Kelly tonight, was um, trying to put a fence down both sides of the road. And the reason why the pigs have access across the road is um, the creek, of course. You know, the creek is a natural water source, and we don't. Uh, we have the luxury of not having to carry water. Um, you know, with that many pigs, my goodness, if, if you had to carry water, you had to do tanks and those type of things, and that would be a lot more equipment, a lot more effort, you know, obviously pumping the water out of the well or pumping it out of the creek. Uh, but this, since the stream runs through the middle of the of the property, then we just make sure that um, the pasture gives them access. Well, if you're on the south ridge and you need to get to the creek, then you have to cross my road because my road's on the south side of the creek. So we're looking at uh, this year creating some ponds and, and doing some other water retention on the south side that will allow us to fence off the roads. And that way that keeps pigs off of them. They don't get them all torn up. And I come in and put stone down, get them graded, you know, pull ditch lines, all that type of stuff, and really get a good road going there. And then when we want to rotate them across, then just have some uh, strategically located gates that we can open them up and make uh, these, these cross channels where they can uh, be be herded across the road through these gate channels and then close back off. So that'll uh, definitely be nice. It will. That will. You know, it's one of those things that's. Well, you know, we we have a neighbor that's. You know, he's he's the epitome of a knowledgeable you know, farm guy. I mean, the guy just knows everything. I, I, if I could plug a 
internet cable into his head and download half of what he knows, I'd be a rich man. But he's been very helpful, yes. Yeah, and so uh, you know, he's explaining stuff to us, and, and just the the science of moving animals. You, know, you really don't think about it much until you go to figure out how am I going to get twenty two four hundred pound pigs in a trailer. Uh, then you realize, okay, there's there's a science to this. There's you know, gates and choke down points and, and those type of things that really come in handy. So he's been very helpful there, and I'm sure we'll utilize his knowledge as well um, as we get into that. Well, um, what's next, Kel? Chickens would probably be the next thing that we talk about in our 2017 plans. Um, what do you what do you see for for chickens in 17? Well, we definitely talked about meat chickens. We've um... We've done that once before, and we're looking to try that again. We've helped. We've got some friends that um, have done meat chickens several times now, and so we were a part of their processing um, and learned how they've got they've got it down to a science, and it's really been helpful for us to learn those steps. So I'm excited about trying meat chickens again. Um, so how many? What were, what were we thinking about trying this time? Well, you know, and that's the thing, and I had there in my notes, and I know we talked about this in the past, and I think it would be interesting, um, kind of an interesting case study, if you will, if there could be such a thing in our, in our homestead. But looking at, you know, everybody, everybody raises Cornish Cross. That's what our experience is. That's mm -hmm. what Daniel and Samantha did. And how many did we do up there that one day? Well, they had 100 the first time. They yeah. had received 100. They, uh, her sister goes in with them, and they, you know, process every year. Um, so yeah, they were doing a hundred, and we thought, oh my word, that's going to take days. Yeah, and they didn't. And they have... had it down such, you know, to such a science that they had a station and everybody working at its stations, and it went straight into the ice. Um, so yeah, it was really interesting. And what was neat about that is they they didn't have a lot. Ooh, that cramp. Oh my goodness, that hurts. <laughs> that's wild right there, right there. Um, they didn't have a lot of equipment tied up in that either. That's what blew my mind because you think 100 chickens, uh, first thing I think of is, oh my goodness, what about plucking those suckers? You know, who's going to hand pluck 100 chickens? But they, we didn't pluck. We, we skinned them out, uh, which encouraged me going forward to say, okay, I kind of like that. Um, you know, there's, there's times that you would want to have your meat chickens with skin for, uh, for obviously other reasons mm -hmm. and, and meal prep. But yeah, man, that made it slick. You had to skin them out. And, you know, Daniel and I, well, we, we skinned and eviscerated, and by the time we... Um, got one, got our two skin eviscerated and handed them to you all. You guys had them broken down. And you guys weren't just cleaning them and keeping them whole, right? You no, know, no, we were cutting the breast off. We were cutting the thighs and the legs, and we were separating everything so that everything was, you know, in individual cuts um, for them. And I think that they, they do freeze some, and they can most of their chicken. Yeah, that's right. They do can a lot of it, yeah. Yeah, so um, so a lot of corn. They did all Cornish Cross, which is what we've done in the past, and that's kind of the the go to. I mean, that's the McDonald's of uh, of chicken, I guess, <laughs> as far as uh, the, the the breed. But what I would like to do is I would like to do uh, call it a Pepsi challenge. Oh, there's our bird clock. Um, do the Pepsi challenge here and, and do a small run of you know, maybe we get you know, 25 Cornish Cross chicks in. But at the same time, get uh, maybe some heritage, so like a Freedom Ranger or something like that, and um, put them in identical chicken tractors out here in the in the um, in the bottom meadow, and uh, you give them the same feed ratio, ratio and, and ration the same way, and just just see. And then at the end, when we go to process, we'll just you know, we'll see who who shook out the best. And then of course, it's not all about weight and how much you put on. We obviously want flavor and we want quality. Um, so, uh, so that'll be a re neat test. So we'll, we'll be sure to document that and, and have that on, on our, our channel or uh, get that back to Harold somehow if, if, he's, if that becomes interesting information. Um, but we'll document all that, even feed consumption and, and those type of things. So, yeah, looking forward to that. What about the egg layers? Do you, do you see anything going on with the egg layers, anything different than we've, we've done, or do we feel we're pretty confident where we are with those this year? Well, we definitely need to get our chickens laying more eggs because with 90-some chickens and... Um, not just during the winter time when I realize that they um, slow down a bit, but we're getting 20 eggs a day. That's not... <laughs> yeah, right now. I mean, obviously it's... I mean, they're on the upswing because we've had more, you know, the warmer weather that we've had lately. Um, and they are laying a little more than they have been, but but even when it wasn't the winter, they were we weren't getting a whole lot of eggs. So some of those girls need to be retired. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely think there's some that uh, 
it's definitely a put out or get out situation with some of those <laughs> eggs that is um so they i guess well I, my complaint and you're probably not going to agree with me on this is is this uh this fancy pants breed that you had to have they are yes they're, i love them they're not, <laughs> they're not very uh prolific as far as feed to egg ratio and the fact that they they don't come online they don't lay what has been we're going on eight months on those uh, Americanas, or Ericanas, whichever direction you decide to go with that. Uh, chickens with the puppy cheeks is what I call them. Um, so these dirt bags have been eating feed for seven <laughs> months, and I don't have, we get one blue egg a day, and I don't know who that is. We don't even is. get it one a day, I don't think. It's yeah. like one every other day. I think so they're going down to the neighbors and buying that egg. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so we've got, how many do we have? We've got 20s. 20 something. Yeah, so, so 20 out of our 90 are these. Puppy-faced chickens that aren't laying any eggs, and um, so that's an issue. But yeah, you're right. We've got some Australorp that um, they're a little long in the and some reds. Yeah, no, the reds. Well, they're really long in the beak, aren't they? <laughs> I think them. I saw one carrying a cane and going across the pasture the other day. <laughs> what five or six? It might even be more like six years. Yeah, we'll see what happened to the mistake we made. We got some of those new reds in, and again, some dummy. This this dummy that runs around this place all the time. I'd love to get him out of here. Um, some dummy didn't uh, didn't tag their legs, so they're kind of you get down on them. You can kind of see, okay, you're obviously really old, and you're not. But uh, it's not one of those things I can spot real easy. So that's actually the one thing. In fact, I need to put that on my list. I'm glad we've talked about this. And we've got our uh, phone booth coop, is what I call it. It's just a little four by four coop, and we first started with. With a dozen chickens, I built this this coop, and and it was you know kind of a self-contained little gig there that we could move around, and that's what I wanted to do was uh, set the phone booth coop up in its own little pasture, and maybe just uh, 100 square feet, something like that, and uh, daily move uh, or maybe weekly move some chickens over in there when we get in the warmer Custom. months. Yeah, and get in the warmer months and see who's uh, Give, give them obviously a, a fair chance there in the warmer months and the longer longer days so they can uh, see if they're going to lay and just start counting. So if we put you know, three old old maids in there and we've got three tough old birds that aren't laying anything, then they go to the pot um, and then just, just um, kind of be like a beauty contest, but with eggs. So if you lay eggs, great, you pass. If you don't, then end the line and thin, thin that out. So my goal has always been 100 chickens. Per egg laying, and again, you may wonder well, why 100. What's the magic number? Well, it's just it's just a number. But in in theory, I've always yeah, you know, we sell some of our eggs, and again, oh my goodness, you know, don't ever feel that you're going to retire by selling eggs. Um, the eggs barely even break even with the feed costs, and by the time you factor in time and all the expense of infrastructure, then you're on a 20 year plan to try to break Especially even. Especially if the majority of your chickens aren't laying. Oh, oh exactly. <laughs> and again, yeah, freeloaders. My goodness. Um, so, uh, so looking at that and saying, okay, we need to um, get a, get some more in, some younger ones in as we retire these. But the whole plan with 100 was simply, um, I was going to sell what we could sell, and then I was going to supplement the protein for the pigs, because I would much rather have egg protein going to my pigs than some of the uh, soy-based protein that we get in the feed supplement. So that was always the plan, that you know, I, we've never gotten to the point where we get 70 a day or 80 a day. It's never been that with, you know, with 100 chickens. So... Uh, and of course, we've got four roosters now because our hatchery we bought the last two batches off of slipped us slipped us some guys mm -hmm. in there, and they didn't uh, they didn't catch those. So now I've got four roosters, and we're gonna have to have a beauty contest there as well to see who gets to stick around. And we need to do some work on their pastures as well. We're fairly new with their pastures, and yeah. we've got two different pastures that we're trying to rotate them on. But because it wasn't such great pasture to begin with, we planted some. Um, what did we plant? We planted some clover and couple different things um so hopefully this year we can rotate them a little better yeah yeah that I mean, comes in better we may come back and, and detail that a little bit more um but yeah just simple um, pasture rotation concept free range uh, all i can say about free range it doesn't work for us no, coyotes neighbors many. dogs um, hawks you know, look like chicken explosion around here with feathers everywhere mm -hmm. so we gave up on free ranging quite a few years ago but obviously love the idea of a pastured chicken. Mm -hmm. So so I built two um, what are they, 5,000 5, 5, square foot pastures, and the game plan is to rotate them back and forth. But again, right now with this crazy winter we've had, looks like the surface of the moon right now because they've eaten it down to, to nothing. So we'll, 
this spring as, as things start to uh, grow and come out of dormancy, then we'll sequester in one pasture and I'll reseed one and see if we can get it big and bushy and, and move them over to the other. My goodness, with all the chicken excrement in those pastures, you'd think it'd grow overnight and glow like Ireland, uh, as, as rich as it is. So we'll, we'll see how that works out. <clears throat> well, what's next on our list? Our garden discussion, right? I took my list over there. Oh. <laughs> so, uh, garden. Um, well, if you listen to our podcast, the Herald Interview, I always joke that we have a black thumb where we haven't been um, been super successful in garden. In fact, I, I, that's why we started with pigs. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's why we gave up the garden and we went to pigs. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad when you can say, I can't grow a tomato, let's get a bunch of pigs. <laughs> but Harold, uh, I'm, I'm envious of Harold because... Uh, what he grows on his patch of land, my goodness, it's like um, the Garden of Eden compared to what we have. Ours is downtown Baghdad, it looks like right now, but uh, but his looks, uh, his his always seems to be good. He's got uh, his annuals and his perennials and, and all those things that he grows, so uh, hopefully we can learn some stuff from him. Um, but as far as our garden goes, we did, uh, what did we do last year? Explain our, our last year garden a little bit. Um, last year we did the straw bale gardening. We just did a small garden. We wanted to test out using straw bales as we've seen um, so many people posting about. And I'd say it was successful. It was a lot of fun. Um, You know, not having to worry about the weeds. I think the weeds in the past have been overwhelming. Um, Like I said, we we have had successful gardens in the past on on several crops. Um, We've done well with beans and we've done well with peppers and we can grow some green peppers. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, take them right up to frost time. And then herbs and things like that. Things that we've not had a lot of success with have been tomatoes, that kind of thing. And I'm not quite figured that out. But like I said, we don't have a whole lot of experience yet. We're highly optimistic this year. Um, anyway, with the straw bale garden, um, we started. We did ten bales. Yeah, that's seven dollars a pop. So that was seventy bucks right there. Yes, and then the expense of the fertilizer mm-hmm. and everything that went into that to prepare the bales for the planting. It was fun though. I really enjoyed that. Um, yeah, you did really well with that. I was impressed. So we, we grew um, several things and, and we thought about doing it again. Um, but I think this year we're going to go, we're really going to try to go big. So we're not going to stick with the straw, but maybe we'll do straw bale in the backyard as far as maybe some, yeah. I don't know, maybe a few things near the house, but we're hoping to do a big garden down near the wood shop, which is going to be, what size did you say we're hoping for? <laughs> oh, well, you know, with me, it's like, uh, let's do a football field and see what we can grow and be a bountiful harvest. Well, and... we, we've got better soil down there. The soil that we've tried to grow in um, is the area of our property where we cleared for the home. So virgin soil, we've tried to do some amendments to the soil, um, adding manure, those kinds of things. Um but hopefully we're going to do much better down in the soil. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely because yeah, our our backyard was, as you've mentioned, was uh, cut into a hillside to build the house in, in 2002. So we literally dropped the elevation 16 feet. Um, so you know, barren, sterile, nothing. It was just clay. And West Virginia is all red clay. If it's not sandstone, it's red clay. Um, so we we you know, all the amendments we tried to do. Yeah, I think that's why the straw bell garden did so yes. well. Um, so yeah, we may may keep a small garden behind the house, in which um, roughly was about I think it was about twenty feet by ten. It wasn't wasn't that big. Well, I can imagine just two rows of of uh, five bales in a row, and uh, two rows of that. And then the big garden that we're talking about, um, trying to do, thinking about doing. Um, 20 feet wide by maybe 40 or 50. We'll see. Now, that may not sound big for some of y'all, but again, we're just we're just trying to get our, our, our thumbs green in this situation. Harold actually gave me some good advice when we were talking about um, possibly doing some hoop houses, and uh, he was giving me some advice on, on how to build them, so that got me, got me thinking and kind of wet my appetite there. Uh, I'd really like to do, because deer just, or white-tailed deer just wear us out here. They're ridiculous. I just hit one we on have the quite a few families that <laughs> live down in our meadows, don't we? Don't <laughs> yes. It's pretty bad when you drive up your driveway and you just have hit a deer in your driveway. And uh, your, of course, your landscaping around the house usually disappears. Mm, at, I hate those deer. Yeah, by the fall. Yeah. So 
a garden is, it has to look like a little concentration camp to be able to protect it with the, uh, the fence you put around. Uh, but obviously with the hoop house, we can, uh, that'll be a pretty good deer abatement there. Obviously it brings some other issues as far as watering that goes, but uh, I'd like to try that. And then like we talked about, as we roll around to next winter, then winter the chickens in the hoop house. Get them off these okay. pastures, you know, put some put some winter ground covers, winter rye or something like that growing in the pastures, um, uh, the chicken pastures, let those get super bushy uh, uh, over the winter months. Have the chickens hanging out in the hoop house, you know, they're warm, just kind of sunbathing in the greenhouse situation there, and um, and they supercharge that soil even better. So, and that's a spot we don't have, um, when we get high water, we don't have any issues there, it doesn't get up that high. So I think that would be safe for the chickens, and uh, again, we don't get a lot of snow normally. You know, last year we had 19 inches one time, but um, so the snow load, all those things. So we're thinking about that with the garden, maybe, maybe trying a, a hoop house to do that. We, we want to try to do that this winter, but you know how that goes. So that's kind of what we're thinking with the garden is is to do that, and we've uh, we've also been trying to put more of our our um, kind of our uh, what would you call that fixed. I know there's a proper term for it, but more uh, these, these fixed elements of uh, blueberry bushes, uh, fruit trees, blackberry bushes. We planted a lot of that this last year. Uh, in fact, it was about the sun. It was last spring that we planted the blueberry bushes, yes. didn't we? What did we plant? Twelve? Yes, we've got, um, yes, three rows of four. Yeah, three rows of four. So those did, uh, did okay. They, they survived, at least. I didn't kill those. Uh, so we're anxious to see how those come back this year and if they, they start to take off. And this fall we planted six fruit trees. What, what kind did we get? We have Honeycrisp Apple. Did we do some Golden Delicious? I think we did, yeah. yeah. To look and then another, I don't recall, Yeah. the third one. So we did three different types of apples. Yeah, we did some sort of fancy pants brand if you wanted those. You said, I think you said, I think you said it was the most, if I go to the grocery store, it's the most expensive apple. Oh, is that what it is? Yes. Okay. That doesn't sound too fancy pants, does it? Um, and then we did cherry. We did a couple of cherry trees, didn't yes. we? Did we do another fruit? Or just two blackberry apples? Blackberry bushes? Did you That's do right, blackberry bushes. But six trees, were there four apples and two cherries? Yes. Yeah, okay. Terrible. Can't even remember. I don't know what the dug the holes for. Um, so yeah, so we're anxious to see. Obviously, we planted those this fall, hoping to see how those take off. Uh, again, got our little concentration camp fencing around those to keep the uh, keep the deer out. Uh, right now, they're sticks, but I can still see them out there chewing on the sticks. So hopefully, those will take off. Um, one other thing that we have on our list for 2017, you may scratch your head and say, what in the world does that have to do with anything? But um, uh, real quick, we've got, again, 100 acres, a valley, we live on the front 10, so imagine this, uh, and we call it a valley. It's not like uh, something you guys would see out west where you can barely see across. It's, it's literally like a V coming down. <laughs> so it's just a, a, a very narrow uh, valley with a small watershed. Uh, but in the very back of this watershed um, is the majority of our property that we're not on. And when I first bought it, I, I went back there with the dozer, just again, not knowing what I was doing. Just went back to the dozer and cleared some spots off. So these little little glades, little meadows, which you know, if you want to call them, you definitely you know, couldn't call them fields, they're not, they're not that big. Um, but we have a clearing about halfway back that's very isolated. And we've decided we really feel called to, to build a retreat back there. And um, you may wonder, what's this have to do with homesteading? Why are we even mention it? Well, um, we want this retreat to be focused on marriage building. Um, Kelly and I are, are, we've been married 21 years. Um, we, we feel that um, marriages, uh, people just don't take marriage seriously anymore. And we would like to uh, kind of share our, our experiences, the good and the bad, uh, with people. And uh, then we also have some other professional friends uh, through our church that counselors, those things that obviously can help out with us too. But we're trying to build a little retreat back there. And it's simply just an opportunity for friends and, and associates that we know, people that we know at, at church to come out and say, hey, man, if you just need to come out and unplug, uh, there's no internet access, there's no cell service out here, there's nothing, no electricity, it's nothing. You're in the middle of the woods. You know, bring your spouse out for a weekend, um, live in a rustic, uh, camp out in a rustic cabin or a tent, we'll see how, how far we get, and uh, just unplug and, and you know, spend some time with your your, your spouse. You know, um, talk if you don't talk, uh, hang out if you don't hang out, those type of things. And 
you know, even just to help facilitate maybe even some discussion that gets beyond weather and politics and all that foolishness and, and talk about things that really matter. So that's kind of our goal. We, we want to have this, um, this facility back there, but it's going to be very, very rustic. Um, I mean, uh, you and I, have, we, we sit around and brainstorm things and, again, get pretty excited and things that looks like we could cost us a million dollars to, to build. But, yes. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, we want to, uh, this, this, this summer or this, these, this 2017, these warm season, we want to get start building some infrastructure back there. But we want to do it all off-grid. We want to do it all rustic. We want, we want this retreat to be like stepping back in the 18th century, you know, minus the malaria, and cholera, and scurvy, and all that. <laughs> all the disease, all the fun with none disease. Yeah. Um, so just, yeah, just the good parts. Yeah, but then also maybe look and see as it goes. Maybe we do do solar if if we we find there's a demand for a little bit of electricity back there. If we wanted to um, uh, need electricity for some reason. Uh, the water, you know, utilizing the springs that we have. Uh, we've got a lot of springs in the property, so water. But we're going to have to build, a, obviously, a small uh, bathroom facility back there, a little, maybe a little shower set up, kind of a rustic old-school shower. Uh, but build cabins um, that that would be kind of like one-room cabins for the, the you know, couples to stay in. What else do we want to put out there? Um, well, we want to do a picnic shelter, so if we're, um, we've got a bunch of people out there and we're going to, do dinner together or lunch together. We have a place if we need to get out of the rain. Um, so we want to do a picnic shelter. Maybe eventually a kitchen. <laughs> Maybe eventually. <laughs> yeah. oh, yeah. Well, I mean, what do you mean by kitchen? Well, I mean an outdoor well, kitchen. Well, Stewart, but... <laughs> what are we talking about? An outdoor kitchen. We're obviously going to start out with the basics. but um, And as we go on, just see what we need, what would make it better for the people that we're hosting. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if if you're encouraging somebody to come out, because we're thinking in our model, come out Friday afternoon, hang out, maybe you go home uh, Saturday evening type of thing, then maybe that grows. We'll see. Again, we're going to crawl before we run. Um, but in that situation, obviously, you want to feed them. You want to give them a place where they can, if they got to go potty, they go potty. You don't want to have to drive all the way back out to the house to go to the bathroom. Um, so, you know, uh, a We want it to be comfortable for yeah. them, but yeah. still feel that it's an adventure. Yeah, because you because you're right, and I think you know the masculine side of me is like, ah, oh, we don't need a bathroom. There's a log over there. There's a you go stand behind the tree. This is not a men's retreat; it's right. a marriage retreat. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. I don't want uh, don't want women to be like, okay, this place is nasty. I'm not hanging out here. Uh, so yeah, we we definitely want to encourage um, both sexes to uh, to be able to have comfort and and enjoy what they want to enjoy. Um, but you know, I think uh, I think we talked about like a nice campfire circle again, a big one that we can get around. But yeah, I, I think in our Picnic shelter, the plan of having maybe an outdoor kitchen, uh, a grill type of thing. We can go old school. If I could find, uh, you know, just, just use some of the, the some of the life hacks we see. Uh, we've got some, some of these homemade oven styles or these barrel ovens and those type of things. So we could do some some cooking. Again, we just want to <clears throat> we just want to be able to serve and and just minister to the needs of, of couples. And we as we've talked about this you know, with some of our friends and. And people at church, and it's just amazing how much support we're getting. People are like, oh, that's a great idea. You know, man, we want to support. And you know, even had a couple, couple of my doctor friends ask me if they, uh, if they could write me a check. I'm like, ooh, sweet. But no, no, we're not at that point. <clears throat> so, um, so yeah, a lot of support. Uh, people say, man, we'd love to do that. You know, the we just want to be an encouragement yeah. to marriages, and um, maybe if we could just help spark that little, yeah. Bit of excitement. Yeah, because we're not, we're obviously not counselors. We're not marriage and we're, advisors and we're not trying to fix anybody. I don't think, you know, I mean, that's not our goal. It's right. just simply, hey man, if you need to recharge, come out here and recharge. Because yes. people, we have people out here all the time, uh, our city slicker friends that come out and, and they like to get out and, and we, we shoot stuff. We're, we're big, uh, mm-hmm. Second Amendment advocates. So we get out and shoot stuff and just enjoy things and enjoy the weather and enjoy the woods. And, um, campfires constantly, so that's the that's that's kind of how we roll in that speed. And, and we've discovered there's a lot of people that don't have the ability to do that in, in town, and, and they want to they want to get away, they enjoy the outdoors, um, be out of town, but not too far out of town that they can't rush back if they need to. Yeah, I mean, think about it. I mean, you and I take it for granted. You and I can go for a walk through the woods all the time. But uh, I just wonder, and, and people that are listening to this, how many people have taking a stroll through the woods with, with their spouse. And granted, you guys are homesteaders, so maybe you do it all the time. Maybe I'm preaching to the preaching to the choir here, but 
but you know, just just slow stuff down. You know, life's too fast. There's too much foolishness going on. So, so spent a lot of time talking about that. But that's something we're really excited about. We really feel uh, directed there, and, and we've had a lot of doors open for us. I, I think uh, uh, it would be easy to say that uh, that we're being led in this direction to at least build this and, and see what comes of it. Well, we've been asking for quite a long time, how can we use this property to be a blessing to others? And we really hope that this is a way that we can be. Yeah, yeah, good point. Yeah, 17 years and still trying to figure out what to do with 100 acres. So you're right. I think this uh, hopefully could be the, the open door. And again, as we as we forecast on down the road, maybe this is even agritourism. Maybe as we get our stuff together, if... Um, if, we're, if you all find this even remotely interesting, maybe uh, some of this this crowd could uh, come out and, and see how we screw things up here at Rental House. <laughs> or Great. not. Yeah. yeah. Come and simulate a pig with us. That'd be fun. <laughs> we'll get rid of some of this mud first. <laughs> yeah. How many people would pay? Yeah, would you, uh, you know, pay the, instead of going to the Marriott right. for anniversary, come out to Rental House yeah. and inseminate a pig. <laughs> Seems like an anniversary plan to me. And the boys pick you up in the farm limo. Okay. Well, the, the next thing on our list is uh, for our plan for 2017 is irrigation and water management. Now, uh, we always joke that uh, homesteading or farming in West Virginia, um, our pigs have two legs longer than the other because everything stands on the hillside. Uh, not a lot of flat land. I have joked for years that um, 100 acres and I really don't have a place that I can even easily turn the truck around with a trailer. It's just, that's just that type of uh, topography around here. But the one thing that all this sloping hill uh, benefits benefits us is, of course, gravity can become our friend there. Uh, West Virginia is is just pockmarked with springs and you know, a lot of limestone, a lot of sandstone, so there's water everywhere. My goodness, we've, we've never had a water shortage around here, knock on wood. And uh, so we want to take advantage of that with, uh, with the amount of water that we have on the property. We've got springs. I've got some springs that are at the top of uh, you know, the very last bench of of one of the uh, the ridges that we have where my son broke his arm. We always, what do we refer to that as? That's like, you know, Liam's arm break meadow. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he broke his arm there, so that's kind of, you know, you end up naming spots on your, your homestead. So uh, we've got a spot up there that, I mean, it runs constantly. Yeah, even in dry August, it's got a huge, huge you know, damp area up there, a little swampy area. So uh, looking at harnessing that, utilizing uh, some irrigation lines, and being able to, to get water down. I, I love the fact of um, this year we had, or this last year, with our blueberry patch, uh, utilized an IBC tote, which, <laughs> IBC totes are kind of like the calling card of the homesteader. You know, if you, you drive, down a, drive down the road, if somebody's not using one for a garbage bin out by the road, but you see it somewhere else in the property, like, oh, that guy's a homesteader, he's got an IBC tote. Um, Come in handy. <laughs> oh, they do, they do. It's like uh, there for a while I kind of had an IBC tote addiction. I kept finding them on Facebook. I'm like, I'm going to go buy that one. I'm going to go buy that one. And you're like, how many IBC totes do you need? But um, yeah, we, we had an IBC tote last time that irrigated our, our uh, blueberry bushes. And you know, IBC totes, I think ours are 275, 275 mm -hmm. gallons. So uh, so yeah, I had 275 gallons in there and just uh, had my had the boys. That's the cool thing about having kids too. It's like, uh, go out there and Every day, turn the turn the IBC tote on for ten minutes, and let's irrigate the blueberry patch. Um, and then even looking at automated timers. But then even for your strawberry garden, we had uh, uh, the water from the well on a timer system because we had enough head pressure from there that we could use those diaphragm timers. And um, and so your garden got watered, yeah, you know, every, every night. Every night, that was it was awesome. And we had a neat really utilizing drip irrigation and some of those miniature sprinkler head things. We'll have to do, we'll have to do a video of that one time and show that. Yeah, I, I that, was, that pretty cool. That, was, that made gardening that much more fun last yeah, year. <laughs> yeah, no weeding and no, no watering. It was, it, was, it was nice. So, uh, yeah, utilizing the IBC totes more. And then <laughs> one thing we discovered, obviously, with, with West Virginia clay, it, it obviously does not absorb water very well. And uh, so these, these little benches, again, I refer to these benches on our, on our ridges, our mountains, are these these flat areas? Imagine terraces that have that have eroded over hundreds of years or thousands of years, if you will. That uh, that are just these little flat areas, and they just kind of stair step down the side of the mountain. So all these little little benches, of course, have many miniature, smaller watersheds that come off and feed into our main uh, our main creek. So we've got all these little um, little 
little watersheds, little nooks, if you will, that I can get in there with a tractor and just you know, just by dumping some dirt around them with this this clay, you know, bang, you've got a you've got a, a you know, six by six pond real quick, and it'll hold water. And so we've been doing more of that. So we want to want to take that uh, uh, to the extreme, and, and maybe if we can get the time and, and, the, and the resources, bring in a piece of heavy equipment and actually put a, a full size pond in. But uh, again, once we have the pond utilizing gravity irrigation, uh, very blind down. It's like, um, I always think of Polyface Farms, Joel Salatin, he's got a pond on the back of his property. I think it's you know, several miles. He says he's got 80 pounds of pressure by the time he gets down to the barns. I mean, he'd knock a hair off a cat with that. But um, that would be awesome to have that type of water pressure. So, so that's what we're going to try to do. And, of course, utilizing uh, gravity feed, um, of, uh, and then gutter catchment, those type of things, rain barrels. We've got uh, the gutters on the barn, the gutters on the workshop, gutters on the house, of course, and the gutters on the chicken coop that uh, we could start catching that water. And then we even have, um, what's funny, we have uh, the, the back flush system of our house and then the sump pump of our house. So our house sits 100 feet above the valley floor. And then we built it, we built it on an old apple orchard and had to cut it out of the side of the mountain. And as luck would have it, we built the house right over top of some sort of aquifer, some sort of spring. And that thing was just cranking out the water in our crawl space forever. And so we ended up having to put a uh, one of those basement crawl space liners in and uh, with the irrigation or the, the drain tile type of thing. So it all goes over to a sump pump. And of course, that sump pump has a float and, and pumps it out. Well, my goodness, that thing sounds like a bilge pump on the Bismarck. It's constantly cranking out water. And this water just you know, goes over the hill, goes over the hill. So you know, there's nothing wrong with this water as far as it's just, you know, it's a gray water. It wouldn't be something that I would drink. But uh, So we have all this water. So we're going to look at putting some tank systems in there and utilizing, maybe use like, utilize some solar 12-volt uh, uh, pumps to, to lift it up and get it up in the larger tanks. The IBC tanks are even larger further up the side of the mountain. And then our well, we have a uh, drilled well. It's 180 feet and... Uh, this part of West Virginia, we always have iron and sulfur issues in the water. Well, we have a, a back flush system that allows us to uh, to to back flush, and it, it of course filters out that um, that sulfur and, and that iron. And so we, uh, what that, what's that run? It runs every. How often does that kick on? Is it every three nights? Every twice a week? Yeah, I think, well, every two days, I believe. Yeah, is it two days? yeah, every every other night, and it kicks on in the middle of the night. So, um, so it, it it happens like that on a regular basis. Um, so with the uh, with that, it, it it back flushes, and right now it's just going into our septic system, which is you know, a lot of water. Uh, I don't know how many gallons it runs, but it it runs pretty heavy for an hour. So you can imagine, you know, faucets running full full bowl for an hour. So uh, we got to get that out of our our get it out of our septic system, and, and again, there's there's some good gray water, and again, not potable water necessarily, but um, it'd be some gray water that we can use. So, if every two nights we're getting maybe 50 gallons or 100 gallons being pumped out of there, then again, it's a shame just to let that go over the hill. So we're going to try to capture that as well. So, a lot of plans there with uh, with the water and, and trying to do some better water management on the property. Well, that's uh, that's that's the end of our list. And we are creeping up on an hour here as well, wow. so we've, we've definitely talked people's ear off if they're still hanging in there. So hopefully you are still still hanging in. Well, let's. Uh, is there anything you want to add, Kelly, before we wrap this puppy up? Um, not that I can think of offhand. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's call this uh, call this the end here, and and, and like I said, uh, just kind of revisit some things real quick. Again, if you want to know anything about our place, RedToolHouse.com uh, is our website. Check us out there if you like. Uh, but um, don't forget about Harold's mother. Again, uh, we just uh, prayers for her and pray that uh, things would go well uh, in, in her treatment and that Harold would be able to uh, uh, take care of all the things he needs to take care of as he ministers his mother's needs and, of course, his family's needs. He's, he's got a lot going on there, so we just pray that uh, things go well for him here in the next several weeks and, and that he wouldn't get too stressed out with all that's going on. Again, be sure to check out his website, smalltownhomestead.com. Sign up for the newsletter. Check out what's going on with the blog. And definitely join, if you're not on the front porch yet, be sure to check out the Homestead Front Porch on Facebook. 
just uh, send a request to join the group. Harold takes care of that pretty quickly usually and uh, gets you in there and, and great, some great discussion. Again, 4,400 people in there talking, uh, nothing home, about homesteading. So it's, it's good stuff. Uh, be sure to check out his YouTube channel, Smart, uh, Small Town Homestead. And don't forget to help support him on uh, his Patreon account. Uh, give some, get some love there and, and let's try to get him to that goal of 100 a month so uh, he can continue cranking these uh, podcasts out and all the other things he's doing as well. So uh, that wraps us up, and, and we'll, uh, Lord willing, in the creek don't rise. We'll do this again next time, and until Harold, uh, like I said, fires us or is ready to come back to, to work there. So we uh, pray you all have a great week, and take care. Thanks for listening. To see the show notes for this podcast or listen to other podcast episodes, go to smalltownhomestead.com. There you can also read our blog, connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Google+, and take advantage of the many resources we make available to help you along in your homesteading journey. Please share this podcast and help us to carry out our mission of helping others to homestead today for a better tomorrow.